What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What up, Chris? I kind of felt like rocking the AD fro. That's why I'm growing out my hair a little hey, bit and not really putting much product in it. So, AD, bro. if you're watching, this is for you, man. Bro, AD rocking the big Kobe fro. So are you, man, but you're, your shit's a little bit curly and... If you guys can see Chris right now, he, he he's growing out his hair in a major way. Me, on the other hand, I got a fresh lineup as usual. We got another great episode for you guys coming from all angles of the sports world. We'll get into some breaking news with a future quarterback who may be overpaid and is out for the re- rest of the season. And we'll get into all the NBA news from the NBA in-season tournament to Caleb Williams. Should the Rams start tanking? Mm. Are they in that position? MLB awards season is here. We'll get into the Cy Young award winners. But Chris, we mm. got to start. We got to start first with what is going on with your man, Draymond Green. He's just absolutely out of control. The Warriors played an in-season tournament game, which it's great, man. We'll get into that as well, just about the tournament. But seeing all these different courts, seeing in the level of play, ratcheted it up a little bit, seen a few more blowouts because the home team is coming out and stomping on the away team sometimes. But Draymond Green couldn't even get more than 94 seconds into the ball game without getting ejected for putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. What did you make of not only how this, the fight started with uh, Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson, who both got fined $25,000 and got kicked out of the game, ejected just like Draymond Green. But what do you make of his antics, man? Are you just over them like I am? Because I'll just tell you right now, the five-game suspension that he got, I easily predicted earlier this morning, if the NBA was even halfway serious, they would have suspended him for more than five games, really sending a message. Because not the actual incident itself was so egregious, but it's just his past, his history, the length of suspensions. I can go on forever, but I'll give it to you first. What did you make of it? And did the NBA get it right? Yeah, I would say so. I think five games was fair. Um, you know, Draymond, <laughs> I've always been a fan. I'll be quite honest with you. I think he is the engine that makes that team go. And when you've seen him out of the lineup for an extended period of time through the years, they may win a few games, Chaz. They may even stay afloat for a few weeks. But eventually, they're going to miss the defense. They're going to miss the playmaking. They're going to miss the edge and the intensity that he brings. This is a side effect of that. Just like with Dennis Rodman. When Rodman was in Detroit, in San Antonio, in Chicago, it was the same thing. Where sometimes, yes, when it's working out, it's great. But then you have moments like this. Now, I think in this particular instance, he felt, and according to Steve Kerr, also felt justified because they felt Gobert was choking Klay Thompson. I don't know. I mean, it really happened quickly. I know a lot of people are not a fan of Rudy Gobert, including people in that uh, Timberwolves organization. Last year, he got into it with Kyle Anderson in a very virile moment. Uh, But at the same point in time, when when you put your hands on on another player, that guy, expect somebody on that team to step in. Now, 
I think Draymond was watching a little bit too much WWE going into that headlock. That's for sure. Uh, But there's just, you know, when when you are a repeat offender going back to the 2016 finals, hitting LeBron in the midsection, getting a one game suspension last year, stepping on DeMontis Sabonis this year, the the incident in Cleveland, of course, we know what, what happened with Jordan Poole last year. That was a more internal incident, but still this guy has a history. So yeah, five games I felt was justified. Uh, And, you know, but, you you brought up something offline, the officiate the, the officials just deciding to do a blanket ejection on McDaniel's on Clay, uh, who else got ejection? Draymond uh, and did go, did Gobert get ejected or no? No, no, it was no, just Gobert those three. It was just those three. I think that also speaks to an issue where these officials are very. Uh, I don't want to say ill-tempered, but very short fuse, very thin skin, and almost feels like they have to overreact in order to maintain some control. Now, obviously, we're not bringing back the 1980s. We're not going to bring back the Kevin McHale era, the 90s, all of that. But what I would say is this, is that the officials definitely need to take a breath, review everything, now that you got all these replays that hold up the game for several minutes at a time, and really, uh, you know, decide who was the initiator. You know, and I hated this in school where it was like, if two parties fight, both parties are suspended. Whoa, hold on. So what? I'm supposed to just get my ass kicked and not defend myself? I throw a punch back after someone punching me, and now I have to get it suspended? That's bullshit. And, and right, we're, so we're seeing the same thing in the NBA. I know. I just wanted to go there. Because we all know the Draymond antics, they're going to continue as long as he continues to wear a uniform. That's not going to change, okay? And I thought it was somewhat justified, but I also think that Joe Dumars and the NBA League office got the suspension right. Now, I mean, he's been suspended four times, 171 tech, technical fouls, 20 flagrants, 19 ejections, almost $1.5 million in fines from the league. That's Draymond Green's career, yeah, including the playoffs and the finals. Right. So, I mean, your reputation precedes you. Mm-hmm. Just without getting the refs involved, the rest are the refs. And I agree with the points that you made. And like you said, I brought up some of the fact that the refs are just their softest cottonelle tissue in terms of, you know, giving text to guys that are hanging on the rim, like Chris Porzingis got when he wasn't hanging on the rim. He just dunked the ball and his momentum could have carried him out of bounds. Or Jackson, you know, not letting uh, Jackson Hayes, you know, getting texts and mm-hmm. stuff like nice. that. It's a lot. It's a lot of just weak calls on the ref and personal calls that it seems like they take internally. But you could have that while Draymond Green isn't dragging somebody for, I don't know, 25, 30 feet from the half court line to the free throw line with his arm around his bicep around somebody's neck squeezing. Yeah. He's clearly squeezing like this is a UFC fight. It's Where not Gobert, like he's grabbing him and, right. and holding him up. No, it, exactly. No, no, no. no. So, but I just want to say this. It, he took it to a much different level than I think Gobert was. I don't think – I think Gobert, because of his size, yeah, of I don't think his intention was to choke out Klay Thompson in that moment. He didn't – he never – he looked. I looked at the video 20 times this morning. He never put his arm around his neck. There is an unwritten rule that you don't grab the other guy, the mm-hmm. guy that's not on your team when you're trying right. to break up a fight. You no. grab your guy. So that's so that's why Gra- Draymond grabbed him. I get it, but he just took it too far and the dragging and it's just it's 100%. every year, every couple months, every so often it's always this and 
But then you get somebody else who ne who never talks, who never does anything, and finally decides to ask the ref a question, and then that guy gets a tech, and he has to pay whatever fine that comes with the tech mm -hmm. when he not, doesn't do anything. But right. Draymond can just yell in somebody else's face in terms of a ref, in terms of getting into it with uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell or getting into it with Anthony Edwards the other day and told him he wasn't going to do shit about it and called him a bitch. Yeah. Like, this is – over and over of, and over and i'm just yeah and i'm just i i'm just frankly tired of it so for and Draymond, i'm sure the league I think, is too yeah the, the league uh, is yeah too. so so give him 10 games suspend him go go back and forth with the players association and have them appeal it do whatever yeah. it is you got to do but send the message we're just not going to tolerate this shit anymore we it's been like like draymond said on his twitter it's been over 12 years and he's going back at people saying you know, you're going to tell me how to be me and how to win. and everything. I get it. We get it. Yeah. You win because you have good teammates and a great coach and you're a good player as well. But yeah. it's not just the fact that Draymond needs to be able to do this over and over. Sometimes, yes, he is that enforcer, but he just takes it too far. So and I, I, everything I'm is not, good in moderation. I'm, but of course. And, and I think it's, yeah, because it's 12, like you just said, it's 12 years of this stuff. And Draymond's not going to stop being who he is. And like I said, this is a side effect for having a player who is this kind of caliber because this guy is not just an enforcer. You know what I mean? He's highly intelligent. And the difference between him and a guy like Dennis Rodman, I think Rodman was also an equally intelligent player, but I think Draymond is a little bit more multifaceted than Rodman was. You know, Rodman, they competed the same way. I think I don't think Rodman was as demonstrative. Like, I don't think you saw as much smack talking. I just think it was a lot of mental games. It was pinching guys' butt. It was getting in their heads a little bit by doing these subtle, weird things as if to say, like, what is wrong with this guy? James Worthy said in the 89 finals, Rodman would pinch his ass. Now, Draymond isn't to that effect. Draymond's more in your face, like you said, like you ain't gonna do nothing. You're not gonna do like that is just how he is. I like the edge, but you're right. It does go too far. It it, it does it does go too far. So, you know, I, I think the 10 game suspension, it could be a 20 game suspension. You're not gonna stop this guy from being who he is unless the suspension comes internally from the Golden State Warriors, from Steve Kerr, from Mike Dunleavy Jr., the, the GM and Joe Lacob. Then th you might be sending him a message. But as far as the league goes, it's gonna be, okay, five day, five games off, miss me. When, when, when do I get another crack at these guys? That's going to be Draymond's mentality. You're not going to stop it. Neither am I, and neither is this league. Very crazy. Well, I'll just leave it there since it's not going to change. Um, as it pertains to the rest of the league right now, man, what do you what do you make of Harden and the fact that James Harden and the LA Clippers are 0-5 or 0-6? 0-5 with Harden, 0-6 altogether. And they're just not – they're not scoring at a great clip. No. Tyron Lue has said that, you know, he really needs this is the biggest challenge of his life or his career right. in a piece with Chris Haynes of uh, Yahoo or Bleacher, Bleacher I should say. Mm -hmm. And um, you're really just getting different quotes. Paul George has said that, hey, we just we know we have the right guys. We just got to do it. What do you make of the Clippers and can they get it together? And is it too early to call this trade a bust already as is? Six game losing streak altogether, going back to starting with, I should say, the Laker loss, which was, I think, on November 1st, the overtime loss. 0 5 with Harden. They've had some ugly losses. Here's their problem right now. One, you made this move early in the season. 
instead of making it in the offseason where you could have had a training camp, you could add a mini camp, you could add time to work things out. Now you're essentially doing everything on the fly with no practice time. And basically everybody is trying to, you know, pull their pants back up and figure this whole thing out as they're going along. Because here's the other thing, Chaz, you have conflicting styles. Russ likes to play fast. Harden likes to play slow. And while that may work with a guy like Kawhi and Paul George, now that you have Kawhi, Paul George, and Harden, how is that supposed to work? You're small. You just lost your backup center. Uh, you don't have. You don't really have an offensive identity, and you can't defend anybody. That is a lot of problems to have in one. However, going back to your other question, is it too early to panic? Yes, it is. Because if you're going to have these problems, best to have them in November not in February or March, where you now have three months until the trade deadline to figure this thing out. Now, that being said, Clippers have three routes they can go. They could ride it out with this group, make it work. They could trade Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Evita Zubak to try to get pieces that may fit better alongside the, this quartet. And they're going to get Daniel Tice pretty soon on the yeah. buyout market, reportedly. Solid pickup that plugs the hole for, for Plumlee, but I'm talking about de- uh, perimeter three and D type guys, Re- essentially replacing what you lost in Morris, Covington, and Batum. Or That's not what they need, though. Yeah, they do. They have no defense, dude. They have no perimeter they need, defense. They need, they need size more than they do perimeter defense. Right, but they, okay. The Nuggets had to, all the Nuggets, 20 points were in the paint and they shot, came from the in the paint and then freed those. But that, no, and that wasn't, no but here, here's the flaw in your argument. You're right, but. And that wasn't just Jokic, that was Gordon, that was Porter, that was exactly. some of the, right. So you need lengthy guys on the perimeter who are agile and athletic. Basically, they would need guys like Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, those kind of guys, Aaron Gordon, and Aaron Gordon type. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. You're too small. Norman Powell's 6'3", he's trying to guard Aaron Gordon, who's 6'9". Like, how's that supposed to work, Jazz? Terrence Mann's a good that- defender. But Terrence Mann can't guard Michael Porter Jr. He can't guard Jokic. I, I, you know what I, I mean? Think that, I think the Clippers are stuck. I think this is what you have. I think Not necessarily, that, but go I, ahead, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think that you're going to be able to trade. For, those players that you want are not going to become available for the players that you have that are going to make you better. They may make you marginally better, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to those four guys that you are paying the most money to. Well, really, not even really Russell Westbrook because you're – paying him less than eight, $5 million, eight million a year. I think they're paying him so, this year. Yeah. So ultimately it comes down to, can these guys make it work? Two of them play defense. Two of them don't play defense. Mm-hmm. Two of them, two of them can shoot. Two of them are inconsistent. Yeah. You know, it, it really just depends on who they're playing. And if Ty Lue can stagger the minutes for Russ and James Harden correctly, I do think it's too early to call it a bus. I do think that eventually they'll figure it out. They're not figuring it out as fast as maybe like the Warriors with Chris Paul and integrating him are, but it's because Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry all have played together for over a decade and, you know, can easily mesh in somebody like Chris Paul who has a high basketball IQ. Guys like James Hart and Russell Westbrook, like you said, have a little bit of conflicting styles and just makes it hard for them. But I think ultimately they'll be okay and they'll be a force to be reckoned with post all-star break, especially if they get some people on the buyout market, Daniel Tice and others. And if they make a trade, even on the margins, like you had mentioned uh, to be able to get better, 
but we have other teams that are that are playing pretty well right now, like the Philadelphia 76ers, who are the first in the East, Boston Celtics, who just beat them without Jalen Brown or Kristaps Porzingis. Huge night for Jason Tatum. Uh, the East is going up. Bradley Beal out again uh, after it was reported that he was going to play or make his debut with Devin Booker and KD for the first night, uh, for the first time. They actually won their matchup uh, at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves on the second night of a back-to-back, and the Lakers getting absolutely blitzed by the Sacramento Kings, coming off a pretty strong win against the Memphis Grizzlies, also on a back-to-back. Chris, what do you make of not only these the trends in the NBA, but what do you make of the in-season tournament and how everything looks? Like, do you like the courts? Because I like that shit, man. Yeah, I like the fact that these games, cool. me, they mean a little bit more. It looks a little cooler. The I, the logos with the scoring is a little bit better with the NBA partners, with Bally Sports and TNT and ESPN, hmm. you name it. What's your take on the tournament and has it, affected not only the gameplay but just the the experience for the consumer well first of all some of those courts like if you're watching the utah jazz one there should be a disclaimer do not operate heavy machinery if you're watching this game with this court i mean some of it like i think they had like a lavender or something plus they had the purple uh the 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 late 90s jerseys it was a it was a little bit whack no i mean Here's yeah, the, the Pelicans thing too, with the, with the lime green. Yeah. 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 That was kind of, I mean, some of the courts are, I think the Lakers one was, was pretty good. I think the Phoenix one was interesting on Friday night. I think some of the courts that are like purple, like a dark purple themed, I, I think those have been probably the best ones. Well, the Chicago off red, like an orange yeah. where you can barely see the basketball. Yeah. It's, it's a little, it's a little gimmicky. It's almost like, you know, somebody threw up on some of these courts, uh, but, or, uh, or they're trying to take a page out of who, who's the school that has the blue, the college football team team with the blue field i think it's boise state right they, yeah. they got the blue yep. grass so they're, they're it's almost like they're taking a page out of that book look adam silver and the league they're trying to drum up more interest for the regular season so why not take a page out of what's worked for soccer what's worked in the mls what's worked in international soccer uh even co- even the WNBA in recent years with the commissioner's cup that's i think this is that's the closest sort of model that they're that they're co- kind of following Um, you know, but what is the incentive? Like for the WNBA, whoever wins like the commissioner's cup, they don't have like a, like an automatic home playoff bid, you know what I mean? Or home court advantage bid. You know, that's where I think that they have to take the next step over the next few years is don't just make it a financial incentive, make it an incentive where maybe now you have an automatic bid for the playoffs, right. Or for the plan. Uh, I, I think that's where they kind of need to consider taking it next because yeah, 500 K is nice. But what does that mean for the consumer? So that's the thing. So yeah, the uniforms are nice. The courts are nice, whatever. You know, guys are a little bit more geared up for it. But, you know, after this month or whenever it ends in early December or whatever, is anyone going to really care going into January, February, March that, I don't know, the the Dallas Mavericks won the in-season play-in tournament? I, 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 or I'm sorry, the in-season tournament. I don't, I just don't know if anyone's going to care long-term unless- you up the ante with the incentive, not financial I even, either. I don't even think that as long as we give, as long as they get epic games, because here's the thing we always talked about it, What if the NBA was like college basketball in terms of the tournament where you get a knockout stage and you're going to get to see what it's like for a team to just go on a run and win however many games they need to win to win a cup. In this case, it would be three once you get to the knockout round. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting, especially if you're getting, three games back to back to back where I don't know 
LeBron, KD, Jokic, no. Luka, you know, when you're getting matchup, Anthony Edwards and Shaco just Alexander, when you get matchups like that on back to back to back nights and above all those games are coming down to the wire and there's money and trophy and cool jerseys and cool floors and Vegas and all that. I think it, I think it's just coming up. It's starting to, it's going to start to crescendo, but my I'm not saying it, I don't like it. I'm saying you may, you might need to consider upping the ante at some point. Right. That's all but, I'm saying. I agree with you. But, I'm but just taking it one just, step further. But let's just appreciate it for what it is because we don't know what it is just yet because we haven't gotten to the knockout round yet. And by the way, it's not just me saying that. Tyrese Halliburton agrees with what I'm saying. He put it out there too. Yeah, and Tyrese Halliburton needs to worry about continuing to score 25 and 15 and not turning the ball over like he is for the last few games because Mm. he's playing out of his mind for the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers are the highest scoring team in the league. And the one time I bet they're under – or they're over this week, they go under. And guess what, Chris? There's some teams that won some awards or some players that won some awards. We'll get into that on the other side of this break. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn. Even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best. Even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our shows on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Google Play. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media pages at the Outlet Forum. That's at the Outlet Forum on Twitter X as well as Instagram and follow uh, clips from each show on our YouTube channel at the outlet form. So Chaz, before we get into some of the MLB award winners, uh, they've done three already with MVP still on the way. Just wanted to see who's our, who's our pick of the week over here. Who is oh, our the... football pick of the week? I will oh, start baby. it off with our fantasy pick of the week. Come okay. and see victory in a land called fantasy. Little EWF. Come on. Everybody holds it down. There we go. All right. Okay. I, I can't hit that Maurice White falsetto right now, but I'll uh, I'll keep it up for next time. Oh, <laughs> there oh. it is. There it is. Oh my God. The, the Maurice White is somewhere out there. He's smiling right now. Okay. Fantasy pick of the week. If he is available, he is starting. He is out playing Jaden Ivey with the Detroit Pistons. That is Killian Hayes. The numbers have been a little up and down, but he's consistently getting minutes. And if he's available, 
He's got the guard. He's got both guard um, eligibility, point guard and shooting guard. So if you are playing fantasy basketball, you need some guard help, go get Killian Hayes from the Detroit Pistons. And at least for the next week before Boyan Bogdanovich gets back, that is my pick of the week. Come and see victory. Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, my football play of the week, bet of the week, is the under in the Pittsburgh Steelers-Cleveland Browns game. After the news that Sean Watson has suffered a broken bone in his shoulder, requires immediate surgery or else he's risking further damage to his shoulder, which obviously you can't have when you're the $230 million man in Cleveland. So he will be out for the rest of the year. Therefore, Kenny Pickett going up against the Browns defense. And I think it's going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yep. UCLA alum mm-hmm. rookie uh, who will get the start for the Cleveland Browns in place of Deshaun Watson. So the over under on that game is 32 and a half. It was 33. Right. Some places it might be 32, 32 and a half at most places on ESPN bet, as well as DraftKings and FanDuel. I'm going under on that game that has 17 to 10 20 to 7, 17 to 6, whatever the hell you want to think. All of that going under 32 and a half is my play of the week. Okay. And also, too, just taking that bet one step further, because I'm going to pick them myself, Chaz. Steelers, as of Yahoo today, it are four point dogs. Would you take the dogs, or do you think that DTR can lead not only Cleveland to a win, but by more than four points? Give me the points in Pittsburgh with the better quarterback. That's what I thought you'd say. Okay, right on. So there you have it. Go under, go steel town girl on a Saturday night. Is that what you're saying? More or less. <laughs> Just a steel town girl on a Saturday night. She's Yo, man, but, but, there's, but there's, there's, there's so much else going on in the sports world outside of basketball, outside of the awards, but even in – the football world, like the Sean Watson being out, and you also got teams possibly chasing down to the bottom. But then you also got players like rookies, mm. like Dorian Thompson Robinson, that are getting their start. This is a year where the most rookies have started football games or NFL games for the first time to collectively in over 40 years. So, man, I mean, you, you got first time starts and first time. Starters, um, yeah. Starters, yeah. In the NFL, and one of those is CJ Stroud of the Houston Texans, who's Man. absolutely balling right now. Mm. Um, the question isn't should he be in the MVP discussion because he is in the MVP discussion because we're even having it right now. It's all over any platform that you talk about. I was in Hawaii last week when I saw him in the comeback against the Tampa Bay Bucks after Baker Mayfield actually had a great throw and a great drive to go up on the road in Houston where he just left too much time for C.J. Stroud. But C.J. Stroud is just a, is averaging over 300 yards a game. He has one of the p- top passer ratings in the game. He's the best on third down, passer rating, efficiency. He's one of the best quarterbacks, not for a rookie, but at the quarterback position in general. Um, Chris, what do you make of not only – him inserting himself in the conversation, but how far can CJ Stroud take the Houston Texans, not only this year, but just in the future? Like, has he 
brought up their rebuild and sped that up to a certain yeah. degree now? Absolutely. And, you know, LeBron, after the Lakers got their butts kicked in Houston last week, CJ Stroud was actually at that game. And they asked LeBron about that because LeBron's obviously a big Ohio State fan, grew up in Northeast Ohio. And he's just like, you guys down here, meaning Houston, are now just learning what we've known in Northeast Ohio for years and that this is a special, special quarterback. Because, Chaz, I remember the, the toast of the town, or I should say the draft, was Bryce Young. Bryce Young, Bryce Young, number one pick. But sometimes you have to look at situations. Are you going into a good situation? Do you have a good O-line? Do you have good veteran receivers to throw to? Do you have a good running game? Do you have a good defense? Do you have good, solid coaching? And you know what? D'Amico Ryans has done a fantastic job down there in Houston. He's, you know, now that he's got a quarterback to work with, he has just done an outstanding job. This is his first year, right, with the Texans? Fabulous, yeah. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. And also, shout out to offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. You know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start this year offensively, but they surrounded him with a solid O-line. They've surrounded him with solid targets, including a good running back in Devin uh, Singletary. Dalton Schultz, a good solid tight end. Fells has been good for uh, as a receiver. I'm sure I'm missing some other names as well in Houston, but what he is showing each week, he's fearless. He really f- believes he has a chance to beat you every single week. And it's been kind of an up and down start to the year, but a win at Jacksonville, a win in Cincinnati, who was coming off of a huge win this past week, or excuse me, over the last three weeks, and then you go into Cincy, and you get that win. That's impressive. That's right. You blew out the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers 30 to 6. So he has had some impressive wins under his belt already. And I want to say the Saints, who are no slouches either, that, that, that was another win that they got as well. So, you know, this kid is only getting better. But it also goes to show you, you have to surround these rookies with a lot of things. O-line, run game, reliable targets, but, good, solid coaching. Yeah. And I I don't think you've seen that in Carolina with Bryce Young. You're definitely seeing it in Houston right now. A once dysfunctional franchise now looking like they're a team on the rise. Here's the craziest part. They don't have a great O-line in Houston. They don't have top wide receivers on the edge. I didn't say top. I said reliable. reliable. I'm just saying they they don't have any of those things. And CJ Stroud is still doing what he's doing and has this team on a winning record. They're probably going to go six and four this after this week because they're at home against Arizona, who isn't playing well. Who's playing better with Kyler Murray? Yeah, they got but Kyler Murray. It'll be a more competitive they're, game. They're they're just, they're just not great. So shout out to CJ Stroud, shout out to the Houston Texans, shout out to Demigo Ryan's because uh, they're playing great. By the way, another stat that jumps out at me: not just fifteen touchdowns, Jazz, two interceptions. Two interceptions. Bryce Young threw two interceptions in back-to-back series in one game against the Colts. This kid's got two interceptions in 10 weeks. That is impressive. That's impressive. He's, he's great. Well, you know what else is impressive? Me? How, how, no, more so. <laughs> I, I, how, how, the, how these teams tank without actually tanking. Like, how... I don't know. Bill Belichick is probably going to sit Mac Jones, and and I think he's going to start Bla- Bailey Zappi, and the the race to the bottom has started, Chris. Yeah, teams yeah. are starting to lose. Teams are starting se- starting to separate themselves from the top to the bottom, and the bottom from the middle, and the middle to the top. So, what do you think of the Rams? 
the Rams are in an interesting position where they're three and seven coming off their bye. Three and six, I should say. Sorry, coming yeah. off or three and seven, actually. No, 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 three and six. Yeah, coming off of a bye. Three, three going and six, into week 11. So, yeah. Three and six coming off their bye. Mm-hmm. Ugly loss in Green Bay. Ugly loss. Matthew Stafford still isn't 100%, 100% with that thumb. Do you think that the Rams could possibly tank if they go three and seven at home against the Seattle Seahawks, which they very well could lose that game? Or to get to Caleb Williams or get as close as they can? Or are they too much of a long shot with the Bears and Carolina and Arizona and the Giants who are without Daniel Jones for the rest of the year? What do you think? What should they do? Well, a few weeks back when we were talking about this same subject as it applied to the Raiders, I came up with a slogan. No winning for Williams. No winning for Williams. And I think at this point, Rams should highly, especially if they lose this week at home to the Seahawks, a team that they've really owned. You know, they, they, they're they owned by, by the Niners, but in turn that they own the Seattle Seahawks in that division. I think it is something that they should really consider. And I think Caleb would love to obviously play in LA. He would, I, I think he would benefit from a coach like Sean McVay. And the Rams, even through the struggles that they've had in recent years, you know, uh, ex- with the exception of the, um, the Super Bowl year, they are actually a very solid franchise from the top down. You know, uh, they're kind of in this weird transition mode right now. Those other organizations, Chaz, if I'm Caleb Williams, and, you know, because I know his dad has kind of spoken like he, he doesn't want his son playing here or, you know, like certain organizations. Yeah, he makes a lot of sense for, for the Rams. Granted, Chicago could use a quarterback. The Raiders could use a quarterback. The Patriots could use a quarterback. And you know what? Even a team like the Packers, I don't know about Jordan Love now. That would also not be a bad look for Caleb Williams to be in Green Bay, in cheese country with Matt LaFleur. So, but I would love to see the Rams get a quarterback that they could develop in the future because I'll tell you this, man, as much as I like Matthew Stafford, when he's healthy, he's really good, but that's the problem. I I think not only are his best years behind him, Chaz, but that body is starting to break down a little bit more every year. And and I don't think he was ever a long-term solution. So if you could find a way to get a talent like Caleb Williams on your squad, you know what I mean? And who knows, maybe even bring in Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator, because that's something else I think the, the, the Rams need to address is, is get, a, get a play caller next to Sean McVay. I think that would really, that would give Rams fans a lot of hope for years to come, but it's going to be difficult to pull that off, like you said. But it's fun to think about. It's fun to think about. If I'm the Rams, I, I would love to make that happen, but I just don't know how, how it will. The Rams need to win as many games as they absolutely can because they're not going to get to the to the bottom. But at the same time, I do understand if they want to take themselves out of the race, maybe as they get closer to Christmas, completely understand that. But ultimately, they're going to get a good quarterback, I think. I think Bo Nix is going to be a quarterback that's going to be available to them if they stay, you know, in the seven to eight range. As long as they get a top 10 pick, they might even be able to trade out of that spot and be able to still get somebody like Bo Nix or at least a high level, you know, left tackle or offensive lineman or even somebody on the on the defensive edge that they that they badly need. So yeah. I think the Rams are in a good position, but the Titans still have a few losses in them. The Bears certainly do. The Giants probably have the most losses left in them because they have one of the harder schedules with the NFC East that they play in 
with the uh, both New York teams could use him as well. But I mean, once again, though, you're going into bad situations, man, just bad offensive, you know, I mean, just especially the Giants, my goodness, they've dropped off this year. You know, I mean, I I don't know about Brian Dable, man, I really don't. But this is the NFL one year, you're not as far the town. One year, the toast, you're the toast of the town. The next year is, is is it time to move on? We are in a, what have you done for me lately society? And sports was always like that, but you throw in social media, man. And now it's, it's all of that times 10. You could have a Super Bowl championship year. And then the next year people want you out of town. So, but yes, Caleb with the Rams, woo, that would be awesome because honestly, bro, Stetson, whatever his name is, Bennett from Georgia. I don't think he's the answer long term. He's out. He's out for some reason. We have no idea why, but there's some reason why he's out, and it has something to do with I think something personal. I think Caleb honest, but... to me is cut closer to the cloth of a Jalen Hurts. To me, I, I I don't think he's Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's Mahomes. I don't think he's any of these. You know those kind of quarterbacks. I think to me he's cut closer to what hurts is i mean what what would be the comp for you i mean that's a high standard i get it but patrick mahomes more so than hurts oh yeah okay all right but you're talking style right you're just talking he's not he's he's not as tough as Jalen. takes many sacks goes down too easy holds the ball too long Jalen did that against the jets though in week six he did he did but 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 caleb does it much 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 more often but this this nfl season is really coming down to who wants it in the afc the cream of the crop is going to rise i really think that the baltimore ravens need this win against the cincinnati Bengals on thursday night uh if they don't if they suffer two losses especially coming off that bad loss to the cleveland browns uh the, the one that deshaun watching threw 14 of 14 um down the stretch after he broke his shoulder uh yeah the Ravens definitely badly, badly need that win. Let's switch over to baseball really quick before we close out the show, Chris. Um, Cy Young winners, Blake Snell in the National League, mm-hmm. Garrett Cole in the American League. What did you make of not only the votes and the winners, but anybody get snubbed on the Cy Young to your knowledge or no, in your opinion? I, I'll be honest. I, I'm part of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America, the IBWAA. Uh, so we, we do our own vote every year and I voted, I think for Otani. Oh, really? Yeah. I voted for Otani. Uh, but I had Garrett Cole for, number two for, for Cy Young. Huh? Yeah. Wow. I, I had, I had Otani in there. This was before he obviously went down with the injury, but Garrett Cole had a fantastic year. So I think I had, I, I, I can't remember if I had Cole first and Otani second, but I definitely had those two in the mix. Snell. Yes. I had his number one, uh, Zach gallon was, could, could have been a, uh, I forgot if he was a finalist. I think he was this year, but I definitely think they, they, the league got managers of the year, right. And they, and they got uh, rookies of the year, right. Corbin Carroll had an outstanding season. I mean, he led that Arizona team for, for much of the year. Uh, Gunnar Henderson did a great job in Baltimore. Shout out to Skip Schumacher the year that he had uh, in a brutal division in the NL East with the Miami Marlins. He a former Dodger. Uh, I think former Dodger coach as well. He did a great job. Brandon Hyde, led the Orioles in a brutal division to a 98 win season. They won the division, bro. Like in a division yeah. with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the the Rays and the Jays, he did a he did a fantastic job and uh I think they got uh both Cy Young award winners correct and tomorrow uh or I should say Thursday with the MVP still outstanding, it's going to be hard for it to not be Otani for the American League and Ronald Acuña Jr. for the National League. Sorry Mookie, sorry Freddie, but 
it's hard. It's going to be hard not to give it a guy who hit 40 home runs and stole 70 bases. And for the American League, Otani is just the man. I mean, he's doing yeah. what Trout and, and Miguel Cabrera did. What about oh, you? Did, any Ota- surprises? Otani's definitely going to get it, but I just think that Mookie should. I'd like to see what the votes are. I'm not going to be surprised if and when Acuna wins, but Mookie would be my pick uh, because of just the way that he played Silver Slugger Award. He didn't yeah. get a Golden Glove this year, but no, because he didn't play enough and right, dude. He played a lot right. at second, yeah. yeah so yeah, that kind of messed he, him up. Yeah, he played played a lot, but Acuna, Acuna rightfully and justifiably so. For sure. We'll likely win the MVP. But I, I, I thought Blake Snell was great. I thought Garrett Cole, when, you know, tailed off a little towards the end, but I thought he had a good season. So I could see why they definitely gave it gave it to him. Yeah, yeah no, no question. No question about it. Garrett Cole, I mean, it. his time with the Yankees has really been kind of up and down, but he's had a lot more highs than lows. And I think he is he's earned that nine-year contract. Um, you know, I think one of the years he got off to a horrible start, but he finished well. You know, I mean, the thing is with Cole – He's going to strike out a lot of guys, but when you throw strikes, Chaz, you're going to give up runs. When you're when you're that much over the plate, guys are going to hammer you, and they're going to hammer mistakes. But he is still an elite pitcher. Blake Snell got the NL Cy Young at the right time. He's headed into free agency, man, and someone's going to pay him to you know around two hundred and twenty to two hundred and seventy million. I, I think I just don't know who that team is going to be. That's how you do it. What do you make before we get out of here? What do you make of Cashman absolutely taking a shit on Giancarlo Staten? It goes, it's disappointment. You know, they and just his- for you guys that don't know for the audience, he had a comment in which he said that John Carlos Stanton, Stanton is, you know, getting hurt. It's just a part of his game at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, Cashman, I think is as frustrated as anyone. This is a guy that's used to winning world series jazz in the modern era that you and I grew up watching baseball. Like we were in our, you know, we were in the first or second grade in the middle of that Yankee dynasty with Jeter, Williams, Posada, Andy Pettit, uh, Joe Torre managing. We, we, that is the standard that he has set from the late 90s to now. And since then, in the last 20 years, they've only won one World Series. They haven't been back to a World Series since they won it in 09. So his thing is, I have done all I, in his opinion, all I can to bring in the talent bring in a guy like Stanton who they got back in 2018 coming off of his MVP season in Miami and Stanton really has had maybe a couple of good years in six seasons with the team a lot of injuries he's missed a ton of time 45% of his games yeah exactly so yeah I, I think there is some frustration there that they haven't really gotten a good return on Stanton on what they gave up and, and and what they thought that they were getting. They thought they were going to have the modern-day Bash Brothers. They thought this was going to be Maguire-Canseco 2.0 with him and Judge. And it's been anything but because Stanton cannot stay healthy. However, as you read the rest of that quote, he also said when he's in the lineup, he I'm paraphrasing, he's still a great hitter. But it's Absolutely. keeping him you in st- the lineup. Yeah. And honestly, Chaz, i got to give Stanton credit. We thought he was just going to be a permanent DH in New York. He's actually no. proven he's still a capable outfielder. Oh, yeah, maybe, not, maybe not to the level he was with the Marlins, but he's still a guy that could go out there and, and, and make the occasional play. So, But, yeah, overall, he's, he's been underwhelming. And a lot of it's been, you know, lack of availability for the same – almost, not quite, almost in the same way that the Laker fans feel about Anthony Davis. When you're, he's in the lineup, he's great for the most part. But when he's not in the lineup, guess what? 
you know, you're, you're going to question a lot of things and that's, that's where it is. I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but you asked a question. That's what it is. I just think it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the outlet forum. You guys know where to follow us on Instagram at Chaz P on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Chris, tell them where they can follow you in the show, my man. You can always follow me on Twitter or X at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, C Camelo one. Be sure to follow our show pages at the outlet forum. That's at the outlet forum. Chaz, always a pleasure, my friend. Always, my man. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Tap in with us. We'll be all over social media. We've got a few great clips for you guys next week. Should be another great week. NFL, NBA in-season tournament. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tapping in. Peace.